Thank you for listening to this episode of the Mount Sinai Health Partners podcast. I'm Rob Fields, I'm Senior Vice President and CMO for Pop Health here at Mount Sinai. And I'm here with Tom Valdivia, who's the CMO over at Bright Health. Is, is that your official title, Tom, or do you, you do more? I than am you? Chief Health Officer, but okay. we tend not to use titles. We think more about sort of I lead the, the clinical functions inside the, the, the health plan. Pleasure to have Tom on the show. We, uh, we are doing some exciting things with Bright Health here at Sinai, and it's sort of a reflection of how the, the world is changing around us, right? So uh, we're happy to have you here. Absolutely. It's, a, it's great to be here, and I think it... It speaks to the fact that that I'm sitting here with you kind of having a casual conversation uh, about how we're working together as partners, that that the world is changing. The world is changing, for sure. Yeah. So, Tom, how, uh, if you don't mind telling us a little bit about how you ended up in this this space, what, what brought you here? Yeah. So my background is is uh, eclectic, so I'll try not to go on and on. But <laughs> I actually was uh, a, a math major, computer science kind of a person, but I've always had a strong interest <laughs> in in healthcare. And and I don't know if you remember those. Um, this is Jane's pancreas, and way back when in the Reader's <laughs> Digest, I devoured those. I love that. Right. So I, I ultimately combined my love of of you know health and and um, physiology with with math and 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 pursued medicine and then uh, informatics as well. So way back when in the Stone Age, I was a, a National Library of Medicine fellow in informatics, and in addition hmm. to to my training as an in, internist. What brings me here really is um, what I learned through all of that is that I really love to, to build things, create things. Right. And, and um, as an internal medicine doctor, your patients don't always want you to be creative with how it is that, that you're going to treat them. They want right. things done based on evidence That's and right. what's going to produce the best result for them. So so the, the world of, of, of uh, early stage companies and, and mm-hmm. building new things in a new space um, uh, is an outlet for me in, in that regard. And, yeah. and it fits with my desire to, to try to help fix uh, health care so it's better for people that practice in medicine and, of course, patients or members of a health plan. Yeah. So have you been involved then with other startups before break? I have. Um, a, a number of them. Probably the, the one that's um, one of the earliest ones was a company called Advanced Informatics, and it actually was in the the space of of uh, uh, of helping residency programs track the uh, performance of residents, and mm. that would be true for medical students. And it be, eventually, that company branched out into nursing and pharmacy as well. Right. So it was kind of a progenitor to the the you know the full blown web. Um, but used an electronic version of what we used to do on paper uh, sure. um, to do that. So residents would evaluate the the attending, the attending, the resident, mm-hmm. et cetera. So that was the first company that, that I founded. Uh, and then I've worked in uh, health plan startups and related uh, over the years as well. Um, so a company called Definity Health was mm-hmm. a venture-backed uh, startup and one of the first companies that used account-based benefit designs introduce those to large self-insured employers as a means to better serve people as they were getting health care. Yeah. Um, so that was another company. I, I joined prior to it getting venture capital backing and then 
um, saw it all the way through its acquisition. Yeah. Um, spent time in a venture capital uh, organization. Uh, founded another company called Carroll Corporation that was focused on provider transparency of quality and cost mm-hmm. information. Um, that was uh, purchased by Optum. And, and then now most recently, Bright Health. Yeah. Yeah, you have had a crazy path, huh? It, it's unusual. I, yeah. A lot of people, my mom in particular, can't quite figure out. How yeah, to, that's right. How did you end up doing this from that's right. medicine? Yeah, I still have to explain myself to my mother constantly. <laughs> um, so tell us a little bit about, when, before we get into you know the, the sort of bigger picture, tell us about Bright. Like, what is it? You know, A lot of people maybe haven't heard of it, um, but if you can tell us a little bit about what it is, what it does. Yeah, so... Bright Health is a new type of health plan that has a very specific model. At its core, we partner with delivery systems mm-hmm. in each market that we enter, one delivery system in each market. So in, in this case, Mount Sinai is our partner, mm-hmm. meaning we don't work with the competitors of Mount Sinai, but we build the health plan around that specific entity. Mm-hmm. And we serve individual consumers, so people that they themselves are making the decision around what health insurance product they want to buy. And so that means people that are buying insurance on the exchange, Mm -hmm. they're making that decision for themselves or their family, so-called off-exchange purchases of individual plans, and also in Medicare Advantage. The individual makes the decision as to whether or not uh, they want to buy um, a product. As opposed to, in some cases, it's really a benefits expert is making the decision right. for the company. That's right. Um, we really want to serve the individual consumer and so offer products in that regard. And what we're really doing is bringing that consumer that wants to buy uh, uh, a health insurance product together with that system that's been working really hard to, to drive up quality, become more efficient, and connecting those two entities. Yeah. And, and so it's as a as a product it is joint right it's bringing the the consumer maybe doesn't see it this way but it's the the financing and plan design product design with the delivery side in a more integral way is that absolutely right it's interesting because we become exclusive to our delivery system partners mm-hmm. in that market that really changes the dynamic of how we work together mm-hmm. so we're no longer including you along with all your competitors right. in a broad network right and you're wondering, well, uh, you know, are you, how is, how's this working for us? Are mm-hmm. we giving you rates that are too low or too yeah. high? And are you really going to favor my competitor? That all fades away because we only work with you. Yeah. That means our members become your trust issue, right? It's a trust issue at some point, right? If you're, you're always yeah. looking over your shoulder, but what are you doing with the guy down the street? You know, exactly kind of, right. As you remove all that in this model. Yeah, that's exactly right. Yeah. And, and so that, that trust dynamic um, changes everything. Mm-hmm. We really begin to work together to figure out what's the right benefit, what's the right price for that benefit in the market, right. how do we make this attractive to people that are going to be making a decision. And it, and I think very importantly, we as a health plan don't in any way see ourselves as trying to be an uh, interface between you and the consumer. Mm-hmm. Our job is to bring that individual to you. Mm-hmm. You're the delivery system, not us. Yeah. So that's a pretty radical shift, and I see it on, it's a shift on both sides, on the consumer side, the purchaser, and the provider side. Uh, it's a shift on both counts. If we can talk about the consumer for one second, mm-hmm. can you tell me, in your experience, it, 
you have, you've been involved in several startups that are providing individual services, both to providers and consumers. What, what do you think they want? I mean, I, I, we, you know, I'm, I've been involved in pop health now for many years, was mm-hmm. have been a provider for quite a while at this point. I've seen all the statistics. People are dissatisfied with health care. They're dissatisfied with health systems. They, they kind of like their doctor pretty well. Mm-hmm. Uh, but even then, it, that's changing to, to uh, really prioritize convenience and access over individual relationships. That's changing a little bit, too. And, mm-hmm. But, but um, people are generally dissatisfied. Mm-hmm. What are you seeing that the consumers want at this point, 2018? Like, what is it that they're looking for? Yeah, that's a that's an excellent question, and I think a lot has changed over the last twenty years uh, or even twenty five years. So I'd go back then, and uh, when you look at how now this will get a little geeky, so stop me if it's too <laughs> geeky. But but uh, twenty five years ago, we really thought we'd we'd uh, um, taken care of the the key issue of how much healthcare was costing. Right. In fact, the trend was negative for a while, meaning right. that the cost of healthcare was actually dropping year over year. Right. I think there was a year or two where that occurred. Yeah, you see that flattening of the cost curve there. In the, That's exactly in the right. And and so, and so the reason that occurred was we, um, health plans started to put in place the stuff they called uh, care management. Right. In other words, they were, or others would call it demand management, a bunch of these different mechanisms to try mm-hmm. and actually reduce utilization. They were pretty constraining. Mm-hmm. Uh, they were not consumer friendly. They were mm-hmm. not provider friendly, but they had an impact on how what mm-hmm. you know what what uh, things cost. But what that meant was the consumer was really interested in breaking free of those constraints. They wanted much greater access. Cost wasn't a big barrier at that time. Still, healthcare cost probably more than it did in other countries, but right. but relatively speaking to what people paid for housing and food and other things, it wasn't that expensive. It's still reasonable, yeah. And so back then, it was about give me choice, mm-hmm. give me access. That was the biggest thing. And I think as you fast forward with, you know, on average, roughly 6% inflation year over year mm-hmm. over year over year, uh, over 25 years, people have come to a place where they're saying, you know what, I can't really afford this. Right. Um, a third of people have, uh, I'm sorry, two-thirds of people uh, in the last year have avoided care because of the perceived cost of, of that care mm-hmm. and care that they think they need. Mm-hmm. And uh, one statistic that I've seen recently was that a third of all GoFundMe pages hmm. are related to health care costs. Right. So people are really... It's a sad state. It, it is. <laughs> they're, they're feeling the cost burden of healthcare in a mm-hmm. way they didn't 25 years ago. Mm-hmm. And so I think consumers are in a place where they're looking for affordable options in healthcare, whether that's their premium or whether that's affordability when it comes to a particular event that they're trying to take care of. This is all coming then in the setting of what Apple has done in the retail environment and many other companies to change what a consumer would expect from someone that's delivering them a service or a product. Right. Um, Apple didn't really exist in that form That's 25 right. years ago. Right. Um, uh, and, and so we've also set different expectations for consumers, much higher in terms of what they should get for services. Mm-hmm. So I think th- that's what shifted for consumers, a different mindset and a need for you know, achieving some degree of affordability today in healthcare. And I know... It's- Based on what you said a few minutes ago, it doesn't sound like your market is necessarily employer purchases purchasers, 
but they are also consumers to the degree that, um, and I, I imagine you're probably seeing similar trends. They may not be your direct market, but I know you're knowledgeable enough about the industry. I, mean, I know we're seeing it on the employer side as well as, as consumers, right? Absolutely. And, and employers have gone through different phases where they've tried different mm-hmm. um, approaches. Uh, and I think the most recent approach would have been the focus on wellness to see if that would actually uh-huh. begin to bend the cost curve. That didn't work quite as well as we'd hoped it would. Yeah. Um, but they are still focused on on how it is that they can also get value for the right. dollar for the dollars in, in yeah. healthcare. Yeah. And while they're not our focus today, um, that may change. Mm-hmm. Uh, and and so we don't want to exclude that as a sure. as a possibility. Yeah. As making an offering that an individual inside a corporation could choose um, uh, for them or their family. Yeah, that makes yeah. a ton of sense. So the other constituent is the providers, right? Uh, Mm -hmm. Because they are also dissatisfied (laughs) in lots of ways, uh, some of which have to do with payers and other reasons that have nothing to do with payers. But to the degree that you you as a a payer organization can influence that relationship, what is it about Bright that's different at the individual provider level? I get it Mm -hmm. from a, I'm Mount Sinai and you're going to partner with us directly. Mm -hmm. I get it at that level. But how do you feel like that that looks different for the frontline provider? Well, that's something that we're very cognizant of as as somebody that practiced for many years as a as a general internist um, and i I really started to see the emergence of the of the um, health plan in the daily practice of medicine. Uh, I was very sensitive to that mm-hmm. um, and still am. I think it's very important that we do several things. One is on the administrative front whenever possible to try to make it easy mm-hmm. not to put barriers in front of uh, individual providers um, not to put rules where we're going to check to make sure you must you know do this this or the other sure now that said some of this is to help serve consumers so what would typically be called utilization management which some doctors perceive as checking in to make sure that i'm doing the right thing sure. is also designed to make sure that that consumer, um, if they're going to get care outside your system, are doing that knowingly. Mm-hmm. And so it's not meant to be something that gets in the way of the, the individual provider, mm-hmm. but also is meant to serve the consumer so that if they are going to get care outside the system, which might have a different financial impact for mm-hmm. them, that they're doing that in a knowing fashion. Sure. Um, so not getting in the way in that regard. Another is that as we think about paying claims, that we do so in a quick fashion. Um, Some health plans um, look at that as, you know, there's this idea of the float, the Mm -hmm. longer I can hang on to that claim and not pay it is, you know, potentially a a revenue generator for me if I can make interest on the money that I'm holding on to. That completely would violate the sense of the partnership that we're trying to establish. So from our perspective, we're not looking at you know, measuring that and trying to extend that as long as possible. We want to pay as quickly and efficiently as possible so that nobody's sitting there waiting for a payment from us. Mm-hmm. Um, and in that regard, it's almost 180 degrees from what you would normally see in a, yeah. in a plan. Yeah. And I know the, the, the statistics on burnout and frustration in, um, in the, the physician world, and it is definitely not something we want to add to. And in fact, if at all possible, wherever we can, we want to subtract from it. Yeah, no, absolutely. It, one of the interesting things that we've talked about in the Bright Partnership is 
how we work at the community level. So New York has this interesting phenomenon of the NORCs, the naturally occurring retirement communities. Um, And it provides a really interesting opportunity where you have these geographically uh, concentrated areas of seniors that are potentially beneficiaries in in your plan. Uh, And you have the power of communities to help support some of the non-medical things, right? We've discuss vaguely the socialization and, and then there's the whole concept of social determinants how do you feel like bright can support that now because there's certainly rules that govern what ma plans can pay for but what 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 how do you see bright participating in that sort of non-traditional medical work mm-hmm. that, that leads to outcomes and maybe if you can then expand from that how how is the federal government looking to change the rules, if at all, do you think, to allow some greater flexibility to do some really creative mm-hmm. things? Yeah, that's that's a great point. Um, so to answer your first question about how uh, we would view doing unique things um, to serve those uh, unique communities, uh, I think about the, f- the first principle of taking advantage of the things that you as Mount Sinai already offer. Mm-hmm. It's interesting as I think back over a few years, you know, a, a traditional health plan might think of what could I do as a health plan to to serve that population, um, and I view that as almost trying to disintermediate the mm-hmm. the delivery system. Mm-hmm. Our view is I know all the things you do as a system, the the clinics that you've established, the unique aspects of those clinics of where they're located, who who staffed in those clinics so the multidisciplinary teams you've put there even the physical space that you've created i look at that and say how do we highlight that capability not how do we as a health plan dream up something new uh, to put there so that's that's rule number one is working with you to do that and Mm -hmm. we spent time in a meeting uh, a couple weeks ago where we talked about precisely this is there a way we can work together to do that yeah then once you once you go beyond that I think it's um, looking for unique ways that we can, again, integrate our, our work right. so that we can produce a better result for the individual. An example might be if you have the clinical aspects of things covered in a particular location, mm-hmm. what if we staffed somebody that could answer questions about the administrative aspects right. so that a person could get an answer to multiple questions in one sitting rather than end up in a dead end where someone says, you know, you'll need to call your health plan. Right. That should be us. The other thing would be, can we work together on an integrated service model so that that individual, if they call a number and they have both a question about getting access to care, but also how that care would get paid for, mm-hmm. we could answer both of those things at the same time. Mm-hmm. Um, those kinds of integrated processes, I think, take barriers out of the way of the individual that's trying to access care, mm-hmm. but also can remove headaches for the individual provider who's always kind of stuck with, well, you have to call your health plan and that's the end of it, and they don't know right. what happens. Right. Resolving this more quickly, more efficiently, I think would be great. Yeah. Do you think uh, federally there are some changes coming? Do you think there's a trend, I guess, and to kind of liberate what, what we define as healthcare such that we, we might do even more? I think so. So one of the things that, that um, one of the, the changes that recently came out is the ability to look at the disease of an individual and actually tailor your treatments or your coverage to that individual. Mm-hmm. Now, we'd never be delivering that service, but we can tailor the benefit sure. to that individual. To support them. sure. 
And so that means, again, where we could integrate so that you know we're changing the benefit, you'll know that you can deliver that service. That actually would be a, a win for the consumer and also fits what the government's trying to do, which is give us more flexibility to operate together to serve an individual. Yeah, that makes sense. We're actually, as we were running out of time, Tom, um, one last question. You know, It used to be really not that long ago. Uh, someone in your position and perhaps someone in my position would sit across the table and, you know, bicker about contracts and push paper back and forth and talk about um, what you're taking away from me and and, that, and back and forth. Um, that's that's not the kind of relationship certainly we, we've had with Bright, but even with other payers, you're seeing the tone kind of change. Well, why is that and, and can we trust it? If, I'm, other, <laughs> if there are providers listening to this right now or, or health system executives and they've been in the business 20 plus years, this is a different kind of relationship than we've ever had with payers. Mm-hmm. So can we trust it and, and how come? That's a, that's, a, that's a really good question. Um, I can't speak for other models that are out there. Yeah, of course. But what's unique about our model and why I think you should have great confidence uh, in our ability to to work together um, in the long term uh, is because of the exclusive nature of our relationship. Yeah. So we have committed to you contractually that you will be the the center of our universe. Mm -hmm. You will be the partner in this marketplace. That's a big concession on our part. Right. So we're saying we're going to constrain our offering to you. Mm-hmm. And we've done that contractually. It's not sort of wink, wink, nod, nod. <laughs> right. I promise sure. uh, we've contractually done that. Right. And we've established a long-term relationship, not just a simple uh, uh, contract negotiation over rates. And that's the extent of our relationship. Right. It's a much broader agreement that extends over time. And, and we've given you a pretty significant concession that says, you know what? We think this is so important that we work together that we will not work with your competitors. You're it in this marketplace. So I think that fact is more than just a a gesture of goodwill. It's a contractual element of our relationship that says we've committed to being your partner going forward. And uh, the fact that we spend a lot of time together, we work on these integrated approaches, is your your counter, I guess, if you will, To right. that, that right. says, you know what, we're committing resources, time, energy, effort um, to make this yeah. Uh, valuable. Yeah, it's not in, just in both cheap directions. talk. Right. Yeah. 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 That's right. Well, it's been awesome working with you thus far, Tom. I appreciate your time today. This has been great. Thank yeah. you for having me, and, and I look forward to, I uh, hope we can do more of these. Yeah, absolutely. If you guys have questions uh, for me or for Tom, you can certainly send them to me at robert.fields at mountsinai.org. If you have ideas for future podcasts, please let me know, and thanks for listening. <laughs>